Bible has been around, read, adjusted, and interacted with for literally ages. Greg has read it so you don't have to, and now births into the world, Better Bible. Before we begin, as you will be listening to a retelling of Bible, please note that trigger warnings are in place for racism, xenophobia, violence, sexual assault, rape, child abuse, incest, animal cruelty, and more. Welcome to A Better Bible. It's been a hard old slog, hasn't it? But here we are, at the end of... No, no, not the end of the Old Testament. Not even the end of all of Bible. Should have said that the other way around, but look, look. Right, get excited because we're coming to the end of the narrative section. Don't get so excited that we've finished the book, okay? This is the last book of the narrative section. And then it's off to... Alright, we haven't scratched the surface of the real slog yet, but that's a problem for another day. Right now, we have to focus on Esther, an interesting book, mainly because, get this right, God is not mentioned at all. Not once is God mentioned or referred to in this one, which is a weird choice. Probably people will say that you know, it's got something to do with God being present, even when it doesn't look like he is. But I reckon it's much more likely that they just forgot. But regardless, right, we're going to go do this. Let's go. This is about a hundred years after the exile. You know, the exile that we've been focused on for the last few books. It's set in the capital of Persia. The king of Persia is knocking about, generally showing off his wealth and giving a banquet. Everyone is there and they are loving it. Chilling out, silver rings absolutely everywhere, gold pissing about all over the place. Like, this party had an open bar. It's that level of party. After everyone gets nicely trashed and rejoices that there ain't no party like an S-Club party, the king asks these seven eunuchs, I say asks, orders is more accurate, he, he orders these seven eunuchs, right, and he gets them to go grab his queen because she is wealthy and he wants to show her off, which seems pretty standard, so basically, right, he wants her to stand in the middle of the banquet hall, do a spin or something, so he can say, that's right, I am banging that. High fives will be dished out left, right and centre. Unfortunately, for this perfectly reasonable plan, the queen refuses. She's simply not having it. This, naturally, makes the king absolutely apoplectic with rage. So he has a word with his wise men. What are we going to do, fellas? Is there like a law or something to make her do as I command? Don't think so. Well, damn. That seems like an oversight, doesn't it? She didn't do as I told her. Surely that's just wrong. Not only is it wrong, my king, but when the women find out about it, and they will find out, you know what they're like, this is going to inspire them to not follow their husband's orders. Shit the bed, really? We cannot be having this. And they don't have it. The king decides to write a law saying that the queen must never again enter his presence, and all women in the land must respect their husbands. Every man, they say, should be ruler over his own household. Once that's taken care of, the king stops being angry for a bit, remembers his queen and wants to do a kiss. Then he remembers that he's only just passed a law saying she can't be in his presence, which really fucks with his kissing agenda. Hang on, she didn't go into his presence. 
So her punishment was to not go into his... Isn't he playing into her hands? Imagine, right, not wanting to hang out with someone because they were a prick, and them saying, fine, in that case, I have decreed that we can't spend time together. Surely the Queen will be absolutely fine with this. Now, well, Kissless King realises that he needs a new bird, so his people head out to find some new virgins for him, and now we start a talent contest, like a Miss Universe thing to find Persia King's next top model or something, right? It's, it's like the bachelor. The king is in love with this idea. We get introduced to Mordechai, one of the exiles, a Jew, and his cousin, who is, drumroll, Esther. Woo! We get Esther in this story early doors. Esther, wow fit, and Mordecai has adopted her. When the king, right, heard about the contest, he entered Esther, hang on, entered her into the contest, right? Esther is in the contest. And it was probably Mordecai rather than the king. Regardless, right, I've, hang on, I've confused myself here. Mordecai hears about the contest. Mordecai enters Esther into the contest. The king at this moment doesn't know who she is. Okay? I just want to make sure we're all on the same page, okay? That it was probably Mordecai rather than the king. Right? Regardless, we're all together. All you need to know for certain is that Esther is in the contest. Haggai starts looking after her and feeding her and preparing her. Haggai seems to be the lady contestant looker-after her for the king. And I reckon this is the same Haggai that writes a book for Bible in a bit. But Haggai is looking after Esther. It happens a lot. In these little books of narrative, we get loads of little hints for all the people who get books in the minor pro and it's I mean, none of this is important. But Haggai is looking after Esther, who in turn is pretending not to be Jewish. Everyone loves her, and she goes through 12 months of beauty treatment. Apparently, this is kind of the norm for this particular contest. She's being prepared for the king. I think this is being prepared for the king to bang. I assume it's a big bang contest. Anyway, right? The king thinks she's hottest and he pops a crown on her bonds. Ta-da! Esther is now queen. And we get another banquet in order to celebrate. All going swimmingly. Meanwhile, Mordecai is just knocking about, living his life, and he overhears a couple of dudes talking about how they want to murder the king. And Mordecai is all like, dude, that blows. I better get word to the king. So he gets word to the king and those two plotting fellas get impaled on huge stakes. So far, so Bible. Now, stick with me because this story does jump around a bit. Mordecai gets into a situation where he is expected to bow down to the king but doesn't because Jew. And I'm guessing Jews aren't allowed to bow to Persian kings or something? Anyway, right. Being told that Mordecai is a Jew doesn't seem to quite cut it for the king, and the king gets angry as all hell and wants all Jews punished. Bit of a leap, considering this dude just saved his ass. But anyway, king's got a king, I suppose. Hang on. No, not the king. Someone else is planning to murder all the Jews uh, in Persia. Uh, Haman! That's the prick. Haman is just one of the king's mates who's a right tool, just shit-stirring and goes to the king all like, Hey buddy, any chance I can slaughter all the Jews in Persia in your name? And the king is totes blasé, going, Whatevs, mate, you do whatever and just let me bang my fit queen. So, no doubt rubbing his hands together, Haman fucks off with orders to murder all Jews in Persia on like one 
day proper Order 66 style, right? Mordecai finds out about this because I think he spends most of his time eaves dropping, which, although has been super duper useful in this particular tale, still thinks a bit rude, but he finds out and pops on some sackcloth and off to the king's steps doing a big loud cry. Esther, right, remember her? Yeah. Esther, she hears about Mordecai and is frantic. She goes to see Mordecai and is all like, mate, what the fuck? You are making such a racket. You're going to piss off everyone. And Mordecai tells her all about the sitch with the Jew death order and asks Esther to fuck off to the king and beg him to undo it. Esther is all like, hang on a minute, if I go to the king without permission, that is punishable by death. So Mordecai, ever the sensible chap, is like, give a fuck. Maybe he'll kill you, but if you speak to him, he might save all the Jews. And if you don't speak to him, you won't be put to death for interrupting. But guess what? You'll be killed for being a Jew, and you defo will be dead. So you're defo dead if you don't, and maybe dead if you do. So grow a fucking spine and sort it out, yeah? Esther is all like, good point, didn't think that through, did I? And makes her way to the king. Esther pops on her royal robes and goes to the king and hears like, fucking yes, mate, you are so fine. I love seeing Esther. Damn, this woman is fine. Esther touches his tip, probably his cock, right? And then the king asks what's up. She asks the king for a banquet with her and Haman. The king is groovy with this and the three of them head out to grab a bite to eat. The king is all like, we are here, so tell me what you need, my queen. You'll get pretty much anything you ask for. And she says that if he really loves her, and he does, and wants to fulfill her needs, and he does, then she'll come to another meal with the three of them the next day, where she'll tell him. Okay, time out. What the fuck, Bible? There seems no point in her dragging this one. It's three meals before she tells the king what she wants, and each meal he's being super considered and always telling her like he'll do pretty much anything for her. This bit stinks of the Bible writers just being, don't we do things in threes? Well, when it's necessary we do, but not all the time. Yeah, but we, we do do things in threes. We have done things in threes. It's not that we do do things in threes. We have done and we probably will again. Well, let's three this bitch up. So it's... It's pointless. I want it in three, and therefore it happens. Okay, so before this final meal with the big reveal, the king is having trouble sleeping, so he reads Chronicles. No idea whether this is the Chronicles we read together or some other Persian Chronicles, but he reads it, and he learns that it was Mordecai that saved his life from those murderers. Do you remember earlier with the spikes? Is this going to be all like a Calvino novel, and the king is reading this book that we are reading. Is the main character us? But, uh, yeah, right, the king asks what's up with Mordecai at the moment and if he can help him. Everyone tells the king that at this very moment they aren't helping him do anything, so the king demands to see Hamas. Hamas turns up and the king is all like, how can we honour Mordecai? Hamas says some bullshit about robes and horses and riding about the place and the king tells Hamas to do that for Mordecai. Hamas is now fuming. He really hates all Jews and he wants all of them dead. And something about a spiky pole? Anyway, right. Hamas and the king go to the meal with Esther. The third one this is. And the queen, because remember, Esther is the queen, asks her request. She says, if you like me, grant me my life, spare my people, right? By the way, I am a Jew. 
we have been, like, told to be destroyed in your name, man. The king says, what? I fucking love me some Jews. Who sorted this shit out? I would never try and kill all the Jews. All the, in my name, was it? My name? It was Hamas, right? And he is told, look, it's, it's Hamas, that bell end there. The king is furious and gets Hamas polled, like, impaled on a 50-foot pole or something. Nasty business, really. The king then gives Esther Hamas's estate, gives his ring to Mordecai, and Esther pleads with the king to put an end to the plan to annihilate all the Jews. The king thinks this is more than reasonable and cancels the order. Hooray! No Jews are killed. It was all a tremendous misunderstanding. Then there's a celebration. Uh, they celebrate uh, Purin? Something to do with dice. I think that's the name of it. But Esther is still asking the king to give more power to the Jews in Persia and to fuck up and impale all ten of Hamas's sons, just for associating with him, I imagine. And, and he does it. That gets done. The book finishes by telling us once more that we can read more about all of this elsewhere. And that's that. That's the entire narrative section over and done with. Promised land, moving to a monarchy, temple, exile, return from exile, that seems to be the order of these few books, and very fun it all was too. Next up, we move to the Books of Wisdom, which I think is just five massive poetry books, but we will start with Job getting endlessly fucked over for no reasons. Should be fun. Thank you for listening to A Better Bible. Now we need you to spread the word. Rate, comment, and subscribe on iTunes. Follow the Twitter in the episode description and let us know how we changed your life, why you love us, how you need us. Share this with the world. Evangelize like a bastard.